Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of The Real Score. With your host as always, Good rockin' morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Real Score. It is a beautiful Monday morning. Uh, we've got a great show today lined up. A um, couple things I want to talk about first before we get, get rocking and rolling here. I do have my two cups of coffee ready to go. Uh, make that one and a half cups of coffee. I do have my pea bucket underneath me, so we are locked in, folks. Um, you know, I'm getting old. And I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, about my age that are feeling the same way, but boy, I ordered something off Amazon a couple weeks ago and it arrived uh, last week. And I remember being younger and, you know, getting something or getting a gift or ordering something or having something come in the mail and you're so excited about it. It's a present, it's a treat, you know. And uh, as soon as I got this thing that I ordered from Amazon, I realized to myself, the fact that I'm excited about this means I'm really old. So when I was uh, 18, um, my cousin and a couple of our roommates and friends decided it would be a good idea to go urban kayaking. So we took the kayak down the sledding hill in Racine. And um, all in all, it, it, I ended up having to go to the hospital because I um, separated my AC joint and kind of screwed up my shoulder real bad. Well, all these years later, it's kind of finally coming back. And mostly it's my fault because I just, you know, don't, don't use the shoulder the right way, apparently. And um, so I ordered this ice pack from Amazon, okay? And it's, meant, it's primarily meant for pitchers. And, um, you know, it goes around the shoulder and it goes around the, the upper part of the arm. And I thought, man, this is going to be so great. You know, I can ice my shoulder now and, and, and it's, it's going to be great. And I thought to myself, am I really excited about getting an ice pack in the mail from Amazon? Is that how old I really am right now? Jeez. Anyway, so that was kind of my um, depressing story to start the morning here, but let's jump into it, right? We got we had a big weekend in sports, a big weekend in sports. Um, today is a football Monday, okay? We are going to talk football, football, and more football. No basketball, no baseball, nothing else. We got uh, Packers and Eagles tonight. That's a big one. Um, am I confident? No, but... I'm hopeful, I guess. Um, I think we need to see some changes tonight. And I don't necessarily mean um, personnel changes. I mean scheming changes. I think we need to see changes tonight. And I think we will. I think that we're to the point now where uh, desperation has, has set in. And uh, if we lose this game, I mean, it's it's seriously on the verge of well, let's just tank and get a good draft pick. Like, this is the game right here, folks. There's a couple things I want to see, okay? I want to see some pressure on 
on Wentz up front um, to take some of that, that pressure off of our secondary, which is just dreadful. Um, Carson Wentz is, is a good quarterback, but he's a rookie quarterback. Okay. And you can rattle rookie. I don't care if you're Dak Prescott, you get enough pressure on him. You knock him down enough times. He's going to break. He's going to crack. Something's going to happen. So you really need to dial up the pressure on Wentz today. Um, Jake Ryan should be back, which is great news for the Packers defense, especially in the run game. Um, Ryan Matthews for the Eagles is going to be out. Uh, Darren Sproles will most likely play tonight, but he is going to be hampered by a broken rib. So, again, that's going to help out uh, the Packers on defense stopping the run. Uh, the fact that their starting running back, their stud running back is, is going to be out, um, and their scat back, if you will, um, is, is kind of hampered with an injury. So that's going to help out big time. Um, I think we're going to see Clay Matthews move back to the inside, which I think would really help out. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of surprised when they moved him back because in my mind, just looking at Clay Matthews, he's just, he just doesn't look like a defensive end to me. He looks like that linebacker. I think he needs to be inside. Um, I know he wants to, you know, rush the quarterback every time, but um, to me, he's just so much better in this system on the inside like that. And I think you're going to see him move back to the inside with uh, Blake Martinez being out I think that's one thing you're going to see, and I think that's really going to help that defense. Um, as, as strange as this sounds, and, and bear with me here, I think you need to blitz, blitz, and blitz some more. And when you're tired of blitzing, just blitz some more. I think that's what you have to do tonight. Um, you need to force Carson Wentz to beat you with his arm. If you're going to sh- you know that you're not going to shut down the passing game. It's, you know you're, it's not going to happen. It's just not. You are not going to be able to shut down their passing game. So you need to shut down their running game, which in my mind is the easiest thing to stop right now for Philadelphia with their starting running back out, with us moving Matthews back to the inside, and with Jake Ryan returning. You need to stop their running game. Shut the run down and make Carson Wentz beat you with his arm. Okay? Defense has been an issue. Okay, um, that's obvious. That's it's it's a glaring problem. Um, we do have a special guest this morning, speaking on defense. Um, Dom Capers, big news. Um, before we go to Dom, um, he is he's standing by. Uh, we're checking the audio right now to make sure that uh, we're going to have a good clear interview from him. But uh, before we go to Dom, you know. Like I said, that the defense is, has some glaring weaknesses. And before we go in here, I don't think that this is all Dom Capers' fault. Um, I don't know. Uh, the Green Bay Packers organization is like Red China. You're not going to get anything out of them. So we just don't know what the situation is. But I feel like if Dom had the players that he wanted, he could run the system he wanted, which, in my opinion – you've seen the system work okay? that he's run with the right players in that system. But now that he doesn't have that and he's got a lot of injured players and, you know, we're just, you know, injuries are, are a big problem. You're just not seeing that. So a, pe- a lot of people are jumping all over Dom Capers. And believe me, I was one of them a couple of years ago. I was absolutely on that fire Dom Capers bandwagon. But um, I don't think it's all Dom Capers' fault. 
I really don't. Um, we're going to go to Dom Capers now and uh, see what he has to say. Dom, are you there? Coach Capers, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, you have a press conference coming up in a couple minutes. Can you tell me a little bit about what you usually expect to hear and what you contribute to these press conferences? The only type of witness I enjoy being is a hostile one. Okay. That's why I intend to answer every one of their questions with a question. Okay, um, if you had known that, then why wouldn't you just leave, I mean, ahead of time? Would I have stayed if I knew that? I don't know. Would you have? Would you have? I guess not. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, a couple of years ago, you made a promise to the fans in Green Bay that you were going to get this um, defense back on track. Uh, where do you think that that stands so far with you, and do you think you've lived up to it? What constitutes a promise? Um, well, I mean, you you openly promised. You know, it's kind of, it's there. Oh, do you know Latin? What? No, I... Okay, um, I I guess we're done here. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Coach, I appreciate it. Are we done? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think we're thoroughly um, done with this conversation. But thank you, you've been a great guest. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, real funny. Um, I, not too many people like you, and I'm on that train now, so thank you very much. I don't like you. Okay. But I respect the effort. Well, thank you very much. Um, that was uh, Dom Capers, everyone. Okay, well, I'm firmly on the fire Dom Capers bandwagon now. That was a disaster. Um, moving on. Uh, what does the offense need to do? Okay, we talked about the defense and what we need to do to, to in my mind, to beat the Eagles tonight. Um, and let's keep in mind, the Eagles have fallen back to earth. Okay, they, they started off pretty hot, and they were a surprise contender, if you will. You know, when you're looking at a rookie quarterback, um, high draft pick, and you're looking at a first-time head coach in Doug Peterson. Um, they were they surprised a lot of people, and now they've fallen back to earth now. Um, so it's it's not impossible, okay? It's just there's a lot of things that need to happen for this to to work out, especially playing in Philadelphia. That's a tough place to play. Um, the Eagles are allowing, on average, okay, 105 rushing yards per game. We need to take Kristen Michaels. I think it's Kristen. It's pronounced Kristen. And run him down the Eagles' throat. And I bothers me to say this because I have always been the belief that the Green Bay Packers system, it works the best when you set up the run with the pass. Now, typically, in a, I guess, regular offense, I don't know, you're, you're going to want to set up the pass with the run. You're going to want to establish the run, make them respect your run game, and then, boom, hit them with the pass. But I, I have been the, of the belief in recent history here that the Green Bay Packers organization and the, the system that they run on offense works best when you do the opposite, when you set up the run with the pass. You pass, 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 make them respect your passing attack, and then, boom, you run the ball, break up a big game. But they need to go back to the power run game. I, I, it pains me to say it, but that's what needs to happen right now. We need to take some of the pressure off of Rodgers. We need to stop forcing Rodgers to make these decisions because as much as I love Aaron Rodgers, it seems like he's not making great decisions all the time. So we need to take that away a little bit. Um, Michael needs to, he needs to run hard. I mean, he needs to have a big game for us to have a chance to win. And that's the bottom line. Ideally, I would love to see him out there 
for 80% of the snaps. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I think, unfortunately, the Packers have erred on the side of caution, especially when it comes to new players coming in. So I don't think we're going to see too much of him. But I think that's what needs to happen. I think they need to run him down the Eagles' throat. Um, I mean, this season so far, now granted he hasn't started every game, but this season so far he's averaged four yards a carry. He's got two fumbles this season, one loss. Um, he is very effective in the passing game. Runs a 4-5-40. I mean, he was a second-round pick. This, this guy's got talent. This guy's got skills. We need to use it. Okay? We need to use Kristen Michaels properly tonight. It's got to happen. Okay? The Eagles give up a first down on third down 35% of the time. We cannot put ourselves in third and obvious passing situations. That's why we have to establish this run game. We have to. If, if we're looking at third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, we are not going to get these first downs. Two things need to happen. We need to establish the run game, like I said, and we need to dink and dunk our way downfield. I don't want to see any, any long, huge, big throws. I mean, it's great. It's flashy. Right? I, I mean, I like it. Everyone likes it. Everyone loves to see that long pass. Rogers got a great arm. He's got a great throw, but we, that's just not winning games for us. We need to use Jared Cook. Short passes across the middle. He proved last week that he's very valuable. Now, I know the fumble at the end of the game, that was the killer, but you know what? You can't put blame on Jared Cook for, for that loss. Um, if anything, he was the, the player that kind of kept us in it, really. Um, we need to see Jared Cook. We need to keep feeding Jared Cook the ball. Short passes across the middle. I don't want to see any of those, you know, quick passes that are, that are at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. We don't have the receivers that can break tackles. We just don't. I mean, occasionally they will, but we just don't have that. Donald Driver was the man when it came to that. You could just toss him the ball on the line of scrimmage, and he would break the first tackle and be able to get a couple yards. We don't have that anymore. I, I don't want to see that anymore. That may have worked in the past. It doesn't work now. There's a lot that needs to happen today on offense. But I think that what Mike McCarthy and the Green Bay Packers need to remember tonight is – Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. And that's what needs to happen. Establish the run, make them respect your run, and then dink and dunk your way downfield to control the clock. Now, McCarthy loves to do that. He loves to control time of possession. McCarthy is a very technical coach, in my mind. There's a lot of coaches out there that are rah-rah, that are on the sidelines, you know, cheering and yelling and screaming, like Pete Carroll and a lot of coaches out there like that. McCarthy is not one of those coaches. For some reason, he's not, he doesn't seem like a, a motivational type guy. Okay. He seems like he's more of a, I don't even want to say X's and O's. It, I almost want to say he's more of a technical stats guy. And what I mean by that is he wants to win different facets of the game. Okay. 
And he'll tell you all day long that he's just concerned about the win. But in my mind, he's really concerned about winning a couple facets. And then hopefully that will win you the game. And that's, it makes sense in a way, but in another way it doesn't. He wants to win the time of possession game. He wants to win the yardage game. Okay, he wants to win the third down percentage game. And then he feels like if you can win that, okay, you can win the game. But it's not happening. There's been plenty of games where we have won all three of those stats and we've still lost the game. For Christ's sake, the Lions lose those stats on a regular basis and win the games that they're playing. So that's not the formula. Okay, you you can't look at it as, okay, as long as we do this, this, and this right, we're going to win. That should never be how you look at it, especially when you're coaching a professional football team. Your mentality should be, as long as we do everything right, we're going to win. Now, if you're, if you're coaching or playing in high school football or maybe even college football, maybe, or Pop Warner, then yeah, hey, guys, let's just focus on getting these couple things right and maybe the rest will fall in place. That's fine. But at the professional level, you've got athletes and coaches paid millions of dollars to play this game. This is their profession. In my mind, that can't be what you're thinking about. And that's what McCarthy is. So he's a very technical kind of stat-driven coach. Boy, um, 215-383-3687 is the number to call into the Hewitt Moving and Storage Hotline. We're going to open up the phone lines uh, two different times today. Um, I'm not going to open them up right now, but if you'd like to call, feel free to call. You can uh, sit on hold and listen to me rant uh, while you're on hold. That's fine. But um, we're going to take a short commercial break. Um, After the break, we're going to talk to the man that we've just been talking about, and that is head coach Mike McCarthy. And I want to talk to him about some game planning and and formation questions that I have and I think a lot of people have. So uh, with that said, we're going to take a short break. We've got lots more Real Score coming up after the break. Stick around, gang. Everyone has fingernails and everyone wants cash. So send us all your fingernails and we'll send you some cash. Fingernails for cash.com. Fingernails for cash. Remember, it's just fingernails, so don't expect much cash. Fingernails for cash.com. Our service never fails. Just take the cash and don't ask why we want your fingernails. Because we might be building a fort with them. Fingernails for cash.com. You get the cash, we get to build a fort with your fingernails. Please welcome to the program head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mike McCarthy. Coach, are you there with us today, buddy? Yes. Excellent, excellent. Hey, I'm wondering if I can ask you a couple questions, hoping you can take me to school today. You know, I spent a day in school once, but the school marm claimed that I just couldn't concentrate. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to the best of us, buddy. Uh, We're going to do the best we can to uh, try to get through this and get some questions answered. You know, I've waited years to hear somebody say that. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So first I want to start off by asking, the uppercase A signifies the gap that the running back should fill as he's running um, versus blocking. I just want to confirm that that is correct. That is the uppercase A. Uh, the uppercase A. Yes. <laughs> I got that. Yep. All right. The uppercase A, yes. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the lowercase a, then, is the opposite, and that's the hole that the running back should fill when he's blocking. Is is that also correct, then? The 
lower case A. Yeah, lower case A. So uppercase blocking, lowercase. Oh God! It's uh, just hang in there. Oh. No, don't, don't worry about it. We'll get through it. Oh God! It's All right, why don't, why don't, okay. let's move on here. Let's go to now the um, the letter B. Okay, the letter B usually signifies uh, the hold that the fullback will. No! I apologize. In the name of all that is good and decent, no more for today. Okay. Okay. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you, Coach Mike McCarthy. Um, we're going to take a short break, and we will be back with plenty more real score after the break, guys. Hey, y'all. This is Hall of Fame quarterback from Keele, Mississippi. Are you tired of hiding your phone as you're taking a picture of your junk? Well, hide no more, friends. Presenting Wrist Picks, the hidden camera that looks like a watch but functions like a low-quality camera. It's perfect for those discreet junk photos. Don't trust just any camera to take a pic of your six. Trust Wrist Picks. Wrist Picks is not a real product, and this head should not be taken seriously. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the real score. Wow, that was um, that was some interview. Um, obviously, Coach McCarthy has a lot on his plate today, so we'll try not to hold that against him. Um, but what a disaster that was! Um, on the subject of Mike McCarthy and coaching, I have a couple things that I want to talk about. Um, Obviously, you've all heard of the new book that's out uh, about Brett Favre uh, called Gunslinger. Now, I haven't read the book, okay, but uh, my behind-the-scenes producer, Mr. Todd Hewitt, has, is reading the book. And uh, he has been kind of feeding me these different snippets about it. And as we're talking, it's shocking to hear some of the things written in this book and how similar they are to what's happening now. When you look at as Brett Favre's career, you know, started to come to an end at Green Bay, what was happening coaching wise and what was happening in the media and what was happening, you know, personal life. And there's so much that we don't know that that was kind of kept from us. And I'm looking forward to reading the book. I really am. Um, I would encourage all of you to do the same. Uh, It's eye opening. It really is some of the things that are, that are being said. But if you really look back at the history of, of what's going on here, I mean, everything in the world goes in cycles, right? The weather goes in cycles. Um, politics goes in It just that's the way the world works, okay? And it's the same thing in sports. And it's the same thing now that we're seeing, okay? We're, we're coming around full circle here, okay? There aren't many coaches in the league that can stay good and relevant and fantastic for so long. Uh, it just, it doesn't happen. It's, it's rare, you know, um, and McCarthy, it's been 11 years and now we're starting to come back around. Okay. Now I'm not saying that this is all Mike McCarthy's fault. 
Okay, because I don't think it is. But if you look back at the history, this is what happens. Okay, you, you, and it happens with everything. It happens in any job that you take. You know, 90% of the time, your job that you work at every day, it starts off great. You get along great with everyone. And then eventually, you start not liking one person. And eventually, then you're not getting along with this person. And while things may be civil, behind the scenes, you're not happy. You know, it happens. And this is, I think that's what's going on here. Um, I think it's really simple. I think it's, Mike McCarthy's been there long enough. He's starting to lose the team. The dynamic has changed. The players are different. The attitude is different of the players. It's just different. If you tried to bring back Vince Lombardi to try to coach this team now, it, it would never work. It would never, ever work. I'm not trying to compare Mike Singletary as a coach to Vince Lombardi, but I'm, I'm comparing their attitude perhaps and their hard-nosed approach. And look how well that worked out in San Francisco for Mike Singletary. You know, you want to take a hard-nosed approach and, and coach these guys like they're in high school or like they're in college. It just doesn't work. And I think that – I don't think McCarthy is doing that, but I think it kind of shows you that you need the right coach for the system. You need a coach that can adapt. And I just don't see that in McCarthy. You know, going back, if, if you look back, like I said, at the history of this organization with Mike Holmgren, um, you know, Mike Holmgren wanted more control and the Packers didn't want to give it to him. And while I don't know the whole story, and I'm sure no one really knows the whole story, um, it is outlined a little bit in the book. But, you know, that's, that's why he had to go. You know, ultimately, it's he wanted more control. You know, he wanted to call more shots, and it wasn't happening. Now, would that have been a good thing? I don't know. You know, looking back, it probably would have been nice to keep him around a little bit. You know, they moved on from um, Mike Holmgren. They went to Ray Rhodes. They gave him a year, went 8-8, eight and eight, missed the playoffs, fired him. Ray Rhodes was, um, I don't think, their first choice. I think that they maybe – didn't have any options or something. I don't know. And they just got him and thought, well, I, he could have gone 10 and six. He could have gone 11 and five. He could have gone 12 and four. And I still think they would have fired him. Uh, I don't think he was the guy they were looking for. And then you bring in Mike Sherman and Mike Sherman, you know, seemed to get along well with everyone. And then towards the end of Mike Sherman's tenure was kind of towards the end of um, Brett Favre's tenure. And it was like, then all of a sudden they stopped getting along and, you know, Favre didn't really respect Sherman anymore, and Sherman kind of lost the team. And, you know, you're reading in the book that Sherman just kind of kept to himself, and so did Brett Favre, and it just wasn't really a team atmosphere, right? And the same thing is happening with McCarthy. It started off great. McCarthy was the quarterback whisperer, right? Things were going really well, and now we're evolving and we're changing. And now McCarthy and Rogers seemingly don't get along anymore. The team isn't really meshing. Uh, he's kind of lost the team. Maybe he keeps to himself a lot, you know, and, and we're seeing the same thing. And it's, it happens like that. It's normal. That, that's what happens. You know, unless you're Bill Belichick, that's what happens. So it's not, it's not that it's all Mike McCarthy's fault. Um, obviously from that interview, we just did, like I said, he's, he's pretty stressed out. He's got a lot on his mind and the basic alphabet is difficult, but um you know, it's not all Mike McCarthy's fault. This is just the way the world works. Um, I don't feel bad for 
Mike McCarthy if, if he gets fired. Um, I also don't think it would be the end of the world if he didn't get fired after this year. Okay, I, I think that it could be a good thing maybe to let Ted Thompson go because he's a dinosaur, first of all. And I think that while he has drafted well in the past, if you look at his the past five years, it's it's been horrible. Um, you know, it's really been horrible. And whether that's just luck of the draw, which a lot of times the draft is, you know, um, whatever it is, it's just, it's not going well. And again, we're coming to this cycle here, right? Um, so I think ultimately, you know, you're going to have to really look at Ted Thompson. You know, I said that on the Pack Attack Backtrack last week, uh, that Ted Thompson, I think, if that's the one thing I could change, that's what I would change, is I would let go of Ted Thompson and, you know, elevate Elliot Wolf. So it's interesting, you know. Um, I don't think it's all Ted's fault either, but something needs to change, and I think that's where you have to start. Um, I think that McCarthy has proven that he's a that he's a good football coach, and he is. Okay, but I think in my mind, like I said last week, give him give him a chance with a new GM, and let's see what happens. After the break, we are going to talk with Ted Thompson. We got a lot of great interviews today, gang. I, I told you we got a great show today. Um, we're going to take a short break. After the break, we're going to talk with Ted Thompson. This is great stuff. Okay, you're going to want to stick around for this. Um, 215-383-3687 is the number to call into the Hewitt Moving and Storage Hotline. Uh, you're welcome to call into the show anytime, guys. You can also email the show anytime at realscoreradio at gmail.com. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back after the break. Stick around. Hi. Do you like South Dakota but don't want to see Mount Rushmore? Come to North Dakota. It's just a very long drive from wherever you live. Best of all, most of the good license plates aren't taken yet. Imagine coming here and having cool dude or yay Jews or boo Jews, depending on where you stand on Jews. North Dakota, we're not even the best Dakota. I am joined this morning by Green Bay Packers GM Ted Thompson. Um, Ted, how you doing this morning, buddy? How's the morning going so far? Well, good morning. morning. I thought I'd just put out a little bit of rambling this morning on a Tuesday morning. It's it's Monday, Ted. Just a typical Tuesday morning. Uh, it's mon- Ted. It's Monday Not today. Not much going on. Don't think there'll be much going on. Well, there's a lot. But I should get over to gym today and do a little working out. The old man needs to get some of the creaks out of these bones. Well, let's talk a little. I think I'll try the treadmill over there. About thirty minutes on a treadmill. Let's talk. Let's talk Packers. It's about my limit, boy. That <laughs> really gets to me. But I mean, and I don't walk that fast on the treadmill. I just think about two miles an hour. Okay. Just enough to work up a little bit of a sweat. Okay. The old creaks out of the bones. Yeah, sure. Let's. Other than that, that's about all I got planned today. Besides just surviving another day. Here. Yeah, I uh, want to talk. Oh, some... by the way, when I woke up this morning at uh, five thirty, it was thirty-two degrees out there. Well, that's chilly down here in Texas. Yeah, you're in Wisconsin. Now, you guys up there in the north, that's just a balmy day. Down here, we're freezing our hiding. So Ted, aren't you in Wisconsin? I'm not used to it. So let's, let's talk some Packers so, here, Ted. It's kind of funny. When you want to just sit there and, and talk, I mean, let's well, talk about it. Well, we want to... I've got this one thing to say. That coffee was great this morning. It sure tasted it out. Great on a chilly morning like this. Ted, can and we... And that's about what an old man could expect. But 
one to say. It's a good day in Texas. It's Wisconsin, Ted. Coffee tastes great. Y'all, take her easy. Okay. Don't take any wooden. Okay, hey, Ted? Ted? Did we lose Ted? I think we lost Ted. Well, uh, thanks, Ted Thompson, for that uh, fantastic interview. That was, um, gosh, that was a disaster, too. I, I don't know. I think Ted's been sucking back on Grandpa's cough medicine and not really coffee, or there's something in his coffee because he's clearly drunk or just lost his mind completely. Jeez, uh, I think we're going to need to reset after that one. Um we're going to take another commercial break here. Uh, after the break, we're going to open up the phone lines. We're going to open up the email lines. I've got some emails here I want to get to. I've got some people holding that I want to get to. Um, we got a lot of good stuff, guys. So right after the break, 215-383-3687 is the number again to dial into the Hewitt Moving and Storage Hotline. we got lots more real score after the break. Stick around. Do you like beer but can't get drunk from beer? Then try new vodka beer. The can says beer, but inside is 12 ounces of carbonated vodka. And the best part is, your wife will never know. Honey, I'm so proud of you. Cutting down to one beer a night. Take off your underwear. She don't know. And welcome back to The Real Score. Um, 215-383-3687 is the number to call in to the Hewitt Moving and Storage Hotline, or you can always email the show at realscoreradio at gmail.com. Um, let's get to some emails here. I've got an email from Carl in Salt Lake City, Utah. Wow, long way. Carl says, great show. Well, thanks, Carl. Gets me through the long, boring Utah mornings. Okay. He says, do you think the Packers being publicly owned hurts them when it comes to personnel or management changes. Also, can you please give a shout out to my sister Bernice in Eureka? She's a huge fan of the show and a huge Packer fan. Okay, shout out to Bernice in Eureka. Uh, Thank you, Carl. Um, To answer your question, yes and no. Does that make sense? Um, I think that, I think it can hurt the team when it comes to making changes um, like coaching changes and stuff like that. Uh, when you don't have that one owner that just gets fed up and says, you're gone, you're out. Um, I think in, in those regards, it can hurt us a little bit. Uh, the fact that we don't have that one owner, but I think it helps us in the fact that we don't have that owner that can make these unnecessary rash decisions. Okay. Like a Jerry Jones. Okay. Now you've got, Jerry's son or grandson or whoever, Jerry Jr., kind of running the show, the day-to-day um, and the operations in Dallas, and look how much better things are. Okay, when you had Jerry running the show, you had a lot of, you know, very knee-jerk reaction decisions that, that a lot of them didn't pan out. So I think, like I said, yes and no. I think it can hurt us because when changes need to be made desperately, it takes a lot longer to get them made. But it helps us in the fact that when we really don't need the change, we don't have that crazy owner saying, oh, well, let's just fire everybody. So it, it goes both ways. I appreciate the email, Carl. Keep, uh, keep emailing in. And once again, shout out to your sister, Bernice, in Eureka. Bernice, thanks for listening to the show. And go, Pat, go. Um, now, we've got a caller here I want to get to. 
Go ahead, caller. You are on the real score. What do you got for me today? Hello? I don't know who you are. Uh, this is Mike at the real score. Go ahead. I don't know what you want. Who is this? If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. Who, who is this? But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills? Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. All right, this is freaking me out. Who, who is this? If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not I... look for you. I will not pursue you. I don't have. I don't have your daughter. But if you don't, I will look for you. What? I will find you. And I will kill you. Okay, listen, buddy. Good luck with that. All right, I'll tell you something. I I openly challenged Conor McGregor on the last show, and I'm not afraid to do the same. I I, I don't know who that was. I am jacked up, though. Wow. Whew, that got me all fired up. Didn't this sound like Liam Neeson? Kind of sounded like Liam Neeson. I don't know. Liam's a big fan of the show. He writes in all the time, but, you know, secretly he's afraid of me. And that's okay. You know, it happens. We had an arm wrestling match one time. <laughs> this is a funny story. Back in the 80s, uh, Liam Neeson and I actually met at uh, a Denny's um, in Maryland, and Oh, boy. Um, we didn't really get off on the right foot. Um, we ran into each other. We literally ran into each other, and uh, he knocked the food I was carrying off my plate. Back then, Denny's had a buffet, and he knocked the food off my plate. And we exchanged some words, and ultimately, we decided to arm wrestle, and um, he lost. You know, I beat Liam Neeson in an arm wrestling match, and ever since then, he's been a little salty. So, phew, let's just try to calm down from that one. Uh, we're going to go back to the email line now. I've got an email from Dan in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He says, Mike, the Packers, the more I have thought about the heading of this season of the Green Bay Packers, I think with these injuries, you might look at losing out. Take a five or an eight pick in the draft. Get more depth for this team. After the season, you can let Ted Thompson go, elevate Elliot Wolf to GM, and with that, leave most of the coaching staff alone, except you bring in a qualified offensive coordinator to help lighten the load on Big Mac. Let me know your thoughts. Dan, that's a perfect, that's exactly what's on my mind. Exactly. Now, I don't know if you're suggesting, you know, tanking the season. Um, I don't think they would do that. I think it's a possibility that they do without trying. But um, that's, that's perfectly said. I think that's exactly what you do. I think you look to draft, you take a good draft pick. And I mean, honestly, aside from a couple spots, really the top 10, 12 draft prospects are all defensive. Okay. Linebackers, defensive backs. That's perfect. Cause that's what we need. We need some more depth at that position. I think um, we need some guys that, that can stay healthy. Perfectly, perfectly said. That's exactly my thoughts is that you, you, get a good draft pick at the end of the season, you let Ted Thompson go. And like I said, you, you give um, McCarthy and the rest of the coaching staff a, a chance. Okay. Hey, now you, Elliot Wolf comes in and says, okay, I'm going to give you what you want now. And now show me that you can do it. Let's get back to where we were before. Perfect email. Thanks a lot for the, for the email, Dan. And thanks for listening to the show. Um, let's take another call. Shall we? All right. Thanks for calling to the real score. This is Mike. Who do I got here? Hey, Mike. My name's Susan. Hey, Susan. Where are you calling me from today? Pinkford, Michigan. Excellent. A youper. All right, Susan, what do you got for me? Okay. My feeling is that for the past several seasons, the Packers have had talent to work with, but no real motivator. 
okay. um, either on the team or the coaching staff. I agree. Um, it's just led to some lackluster play, and the looks on their faces when they're on the field says it all. Mm-hmm. So during the off season and during the obvious coaching adjustments that need to be made obvious. and into the draft, um, how important do you feel the motivating quality should be in the team's upcoming decisions? Wow, that's an um, excellent question, Susan. Great, great call. Uh, great question, again. Um, I, think that's, I think it's big, but I think it needs to come. Hmm. I think your veteran motivator, okay, needs to come in the form of a player on defense. And I think your motivator needs to come from a coach on offense. Going back to the email that Dan sent in, get a qualified and, and well-established and respected offensive coordinator. I think that's where your motivation needs to come from, okay, is your offensive coordinator. Um, Aaron Rodgers is when I love him. We all know he is just not a vocal leader. I mean, he'll be the first one to tell you. You know, he, that's not the kind of leader he is. He doesn't motivate by, you know, getting on the sidelines and pumping guys up, you know, like a Peyton Manning, like a – like a Tom Brady, you know, so I think you're not going to get that on offense because I don't think there's a player on offense that's going to step into that vocal role because at the end of the day, this is Aaron Rodgers' offense. So there's not going to be a player that steps above him and says, come on, I'm, I'm the motivator, I'm the vocal leader now. It's not going to happen. So I think it needs to come from the coaching. Um, but I think on the defensive side, yes, I think you need to get a, not an old man veteran, but I think you need to be a veteran that's got experience that people respect um, to step into that kind of motivation role. You know, like I said last week, like with Charles Woodson, you know, that's what you got. Um, Charles Woodson was, was so done in Oakland. You know, I mean, he was almost ruined by Oakland by being there, honestly. And coming to Green Bay, you know, they, they told Woodson, they said, listen, this is how we do things. This is how you're going to do things. And he did. He got on board. He bought in, and boom, he's the, he's the leader. You know, and that's what you had, and it really, you know, got everyone going. But I think, you know, to go back to the offseason, what needs to happen, this is a really exciting offseason. And, and a, you're going to think this is strange because the way the season is going, but kind of because the way the season is going, this is, this could be really big of an offseason, right? I want I want a couple things that, that I want to talk about here. Okay. Le'Veon Bell. Now, most likely Pittsburgh will pony up the dough to pay him, but he is going to be a free agent. I don't believe they've re-signed him. I don't believe I could be wrong, but I don't believe they've re-signed him. They've extended his contract. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is averaging three and a half yards after contact. He, the eye test says it all. We can go to stats all day long, but the eye test on Le'Veon Bell says it all. This guy's one of the best running backs in the league, in my opinion, especially coming out of the backfield and catching the ball. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. If we keep Eddie Lacy, right, he will probably have to take a pay cut eventually. And with his weight problems that he's had and and some other issues that he's had, um, I think there's a lot of teams out there that would want him, but um, I think that it'd be better for us to keep him and see if we can, you know, get him at a, at a good value. But I want you to think about this. 
Think about our one-two punch being Le'Veon Bell and Eddie Lacy. Does that get you going or what? The hairs on the back of my neck just stood up. And I got a lot of hairs in the back of my neck, so that says a lot. Le'Veon Bell is your one. Eddie Lacy is your two. Think about that one-two punch there. That's what we need to happen in the backfield. We need a solid one-two punch. Okay? We need an explosive wide receiver. Now, I don't think we need too much of the wide receiver position. I really don't because I think Jordy Nelson is going to be better next year. It's just he's bound to be better next year. Coming off a big injury, you know, he looks good this year, but he can just tell it's not 100%. I think he'll be better next year. I think Randall Cobb is, is very good in the slot, and I think once Jordy Nelson gets better, that you'll see Randall Cobb start to get better. Um, Jeff Janis, I don't know. Jury's out. I don't know. Devontae Adams, same thing, jury's out. I, I just don't know. I don't trust them yet. But you got Geronimo Allison and you've got Trevor Davis. Now, these two guys are speedy, and that's what we need. Speedy guys, good hands. Now, now you can't teach speed, right, but you can teach everything else. I think that we're going to see Geronimo Allison and Trevor Davis step up to be the new one-two. And they can take the top off the defense. You get them running routes crisp. You get them focused. I think they're going to be huge coming up for us. Huge. Huge. But there is a wide receiver out there that could be interesting. And I said this last week, Terrell Pryor. Now, he's had some off-the-field issues, but he has cleaned up his act. All right? I mean, the guy is six foot four. He runs a 4-3-40. And he's proven that in Cleveland, he's a pretty damn good receiver. He's, I believe he's their number one receiver right now. Um, the guy's just an athlete. I mean, like I said, 6'4", he runs a 4'3", Imagine having that guy on our team, how much, how much that would open up for everybody else. You know, that's huge. Another one, a tight end. Okay, we got Jared Cook. I would love to see Jared Cook stay, but I don't think he's going to stay. They signed him to a one-year contract. Um, I mean, unless he really has a stellar season, which I don't think the Packers are going to use him enough to, to give him that stellar season. I think they let him go, you know, after the, after the season, um, whether they trade him or they release him. I think, I don't think he's with us next year, which is too bad because I like it, but you got to look, there's, there's another tight end out there. That's going to be a free agent. That's Gavin Escobar out of Dallas, six, six, runs a four, eight, 40, not the fastest guy in the world, but not slow. Now, he's due just over $1 million, so you could get him at a bargain. And you look at a guy like Gavin Escobar, and he's every game that I've seen him play, he's good. He's got good hands. He's good block. He's a good tight end. But you're never going to get a chance to start when you're backing up Jason Witten unless an injury happens. You know, So I think that the fact that we – haven't seen so much of Gavin Escobar isn't because he's not good. It's just because he's backing up Jason Witten. Now, if we go to the defensive side, okay, I talked about getting that veteran vocal leader, that motivator. And this is very interesting. And I, this is going to be tough. I don't know if it'll happen, but Eric Berry is set to be a free agent after this year. And with the chiefs. Now I think the chiefs again, will probably pony up the dough and pay him, but Eric Berry, cancer survivor. He's a, he's a motivator. He's a leader. He's a hell of a safety. 
six foot, he runs a four four forty. He'd be such a great pickup for us. He'd be, I mean, that would be so valuable for us to have that guy back there. Another one, Kawan Short, defensive tackle out of Carolina. He had 11 sacks last season. That's 6'3", 315 pounds. And I think a lot of those defensive linemen get overshadowed on, on Carolina by Luke Keekley. But this guy, I'm telling you, watch out. This guy's going to be a free agent after this year. Someone's going to pick him up if Carolina doesn't want to pay him. And I don't think they will. I don't think Carolina will pay him. Nolan Carroll, another guy on defense. Okay, this is a defensive back. Pay attention to this guy because he plays for the Eagles. You're going to see him tonight, Nolan Carroll. Okay, he's going to be a free agent after this year. He's up and coming. Runs a 4-4-40, and he's owed 760000 next year. We could get him for a steal. Now, here's an interesting defensive player, J.J. Watt. Now, he's locked into Houston until 2022. But Houston has some holes they want to fill, and not necessarily on defense. They may, and I, I don't know how the contract is structured, so bear with me. But wouldn't it be great if they considered a trade and found a team that would be willing to pay J.J. Watt that money? In return, they could get some good offensive players, like a quote-unquote good receiver, Devontae Adams, maybe. Nice scat back, James Starks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's interesting to think about because I think that if given the opportunity, Watt would come to Green Bay in a heartbeat. The guy's from Pewaukee. You know he's a Packer fan. That'd be huge. A couple trades I want to talk about, possible trades. Now, this is going to be possibly out of left field a little bit for some of you guys, but bear with me, and we're going to get through this, okay? Clay Matthews. I think you need to try to trade Clay Matthews after the season. Okay, he's owed $13.2 million next season. If we trade him early, we take a $4 million penalty, I believe. I would rather do that than risk keeping him, paying the $13.2 million, having him get injured again next season, and now his stock just dropped way down. I'd rather pay that $4 million. A couple guys that are interesting. Okay, now they're still under contract, but Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins, both with Cincinnati. Um, now, Carlos Dunlap, 6'6", 280. Defensive end. He's one of the top defensive ends in the league right now. Geno Atkins. You've all heard the Atkins diet. This guy's a monster. It'd be great. Imagine having Geno Atkins on our defensive line. You get Geno Atkins, Mike Daniels. It'd be great. Now, what's interesting about this is that Dunlap is owed $7.8 million next season. Okay, so less than Matthews. So you could work out something there. Geno Atkins is owed more. Geno Atkins, I believe, is owed just over $14 million next year. So it's, you're, you're in the ballpark, 13-2, 7-8, 14. You're in that ballpark. And all three contracts end 2019. So there could be an interesting scenario there where because all these contracts end at the same time and the money is close, it's in the ballpark, there could be something there. I think the Packers know that they need to work on that defensive line a little bit. I think they've got enough linebackers. I think Blake Martinez, 
Jake Ryan, Joe Thomas. We've got these young core guys that I think, you know, will develop into very good players over time. You can see it as long as they can stay healthy. But I think that defensive line, we need to kind of shore that up a little bit. Latroy Guyon. Um, he's owed 500000 next season. I think we need to try to move him. Um, I don't know who you could get for him, but I think you could probably package him together to get some some decent defensive linemen. James Starks, I know we just signed him to a contract. He's owed $1.5 million next season. Um, I think we need to look to trade him. Devontae Adams, $1.7 million next season. I think we need to might maybe look to trade him. Um, Micah Hyde is going to be an unrestricted free agent next year, and he's owed 178000 which is like the veteran minimum, I believe. So I think Micah Hyde is gone. Uh, I don't know what you could get for Micah Hyde. Um, you could possibly get a late round draft pick, possibly. Um, Jeff Janis. Um, I don't I don't know exactly what his salary is, but I think you could probably look to trade him. He's a speedy guy. Uh, he's got good hands. I mean, he's good in the kick return. I think you could probably get some good value for him. And then Eddie Lacy. You know, unless you can bring in like that Le'Veon Bell, like I said, to give that solid one-two punch. Um, I mean, almost like a Le'Veon Bell halfback, Eddie Lacy fullback. I just can't look in the hairs on my back. My neck are standing up. That would be so amazing. If you had Le'Veon Bell or a Le'Veon Bell type back, that kind of talent and speed and skill level, and an Eddie Lacy is your second. Huge. But if you can't get that, then I think you need to look to move Eddie Lacy. I think you'd still get some good value for him. Now, if we, if we move on to the draft, and this is about as much time as we're going to spend on this. Now, if we move on to the draft, I was telling you earlier that in the draft, a lot of the top prospects in the draft right now are defensive backs. Okay. Here's some possibilities for the Packers. Okay. Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback out of Ohio State. Great player. Big key to, the, to, to Ohio State's secondary. Huge. Adoree Jackson. He's out of USC. USC is hot right now. Solid cornerback and a kick returner. We could use that. Quincy Wilson out of Florida, cornerback. Florida's got one of the top defenses in the league, and it has to do with this guy. Malik Hooker, safety, Ohio State. Here's an interesting one. Jabril Peppers, safety, linebacker, Michigan. Everybody knows Jabril Peppers. I don't think he's in the Heisman talk anymore, but damn good player. What's interesting about this is that he'll most likely go before the Packers pick. But after that whole debacle where he shoved the Ohio State fan or punched him or whatever he did, his draft stock could have fallen. And we'll see what happens, you know, moving forward here with him. But if you continue to see these little tiny little outbursts, I don't think it's a big deal because he's a kid. But his stock could fall a little bit, and that could be great for the Packers because he could fall right to us. Another interesting one. And you Badger fans out there will appreciate this. Vince Beagle out of Wisconsin. He's outside linebacker, 6'4", 245. I think he's a great player. I'm a homer, but I think he's a great player. I think he would fit into the system that we play. Um, I, I don't necessarily think we need more linebackers, but at the same time, it doesn't hurt. You know, you pick up a good player like that. Um, in my opinion, Vince Beagle is a player that you can move around quite a bit. I think that'd be a great pickup. Here's what's also interesting. Another Wisconsin guy, TJ Watt. Now he's a junior. Okay. And he'll most likely come back, especially with the way the Badgers are playing. But given that his brother JJ just released this whole big 
I don't know, story, am I done? You know, kind of reflecting on the, on the career and wondering if he's done and kind of missing home and all these injuries and all these surgeries I've had, you know, should I just hang it up? Almost in a way kind of saying, get what you can while you can and get out early, save your body. Now that could be a message to his younger brother, TJ. Say, hey, you got the opportunity to go in the draft, do it. Declare early, get, get play, start playing football, make the money and, and get out before you're 40, you know, get out before you're 30, retire. You know, that could be a, that could be something TJ's thinking about. And that would be interesting too, because TJ Watts, another great player that would fit very well in the Packers. And I think that he's someone that teams would overlook and could, could very easily fall to, to Green Bay. Now, coaching moves. Okay, we talked about keeping the coach. But, but, here's what's interesting. I don't know anymore, given that the Steelers won, but Mike Tomlin may be on the hot seat. And you're thinking, well, okay, Mike Tomlin. He's, he's coaching another team that's subpar. But Mike Tomlin is a different kind of coach than Mike McCarthy. He's the opposite of McCarthy. He's more of a player's guy. You know, he's more of an X's and O's guy. He's less of a technical stat guy. He's more of a defensive guy. Okay, he doesn't call plays. He's got a great offensive coordinator, Todd Haley. Okay, but here's what's interesting about that. There could be a swap here. Yankee swap between Mike Tomlin and Mike McCarthy. It would make sense because Mike Holmgren, Mike Sherman, Mike McCarthy, Mike Tomlin. You got all Mikes. That would make sense. A lot of East Coast guys, that would make sense. Mike Tomlin, Pittsburgh, comes to Green Bay. Mike McCarthy goes to Pittsburgh, which is his hometown. Now, you can't tell me, I don't care what you say to me, if there was an opportunity for McCarthy to go to Pittsburgh, you, you can't tell me that he wouldn't want that to happen because that's his home. That's where he's from. To coach the Steelers, the team he grew up idolizing, oh, that'd be huge for him. And that could be very interesting in a lot of ways because then you bring, if you bring Mike Tomlin to Green Bay, well, now you got a free agent in Le'Veon Bell that gets along great with Mike Tomlin. And if the opportunity came up and Mike Tomlin said, hey, you know, we'll pay you X amount. I want you to keep playing for me. And Le'Veon says, yeah, absolutely. I like playing for you. Mike Tomlin says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring Todd Haley with me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell says, I, I like playing for you guys. Might have to take a little bit of a pay cut. No, no problem. I'll come to Green Bay. Now we got Le'Veon Bell. You know, so a very interesting dynamic. Very interesting dynamic. Um, I want to move on from the Packers now. Okay, I want to talk about a couple other games. Um, Dallas Cowboys versus Redskins. 31-26 Cowboys. Okay, Dak Prescott was 17 for 24, 195 yards and a touchdown. Efficient. You know, controlled the clock, controlled the ball, didn't turn it over. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, 20 carries, 97 yards, two touchdowns. Under 100 yards, averaging five yards a carry still. Um, I'll tell you what, the, the Dallas Cowboys, I've been telling you the last couple of weeks, they're, you can't deny it, they're good. Um, and their defense is not bad. Their secondary is, like I said, suspect, but the defense is not bad especially up front, stopping the run. Um, but their offensive line takes a, it needs a lot of credit. 
Um, and it really shows how important an offensive line is. And, and a lot of people overlook that, but super important. And you're seeing that now. You're, you're giving your rookie quarterback time to throw. He can, the pocket's clean. And you're giving your rookie running back huge big holes to run through. I mean, that's so important. Now, Dallas has Minnesota at Minnesota as their next game. Now, Minnesota is hungry. I guarantee they're hungry, especially after a loss to Detroit. And then Dallas has got New York. So I think those are two tough games coming up for Dallas. They're still in control, but I think they could get some tough games coming up for Dallas. We'll see. We're going to wait and see what happens. Now, the Redskins, Kirk Cousins, 41 of 53 for 449 yards and three touchdowns. Who is, where did Kirk Cousins come from all of a sudden? I mean, I know he's been kind of getting progressively better, but man, oh, man. You know, he has turned it on. You know, the one thing that hurt the Redskins is that they, don't, they, they didn't have a running game, which was odd because Kelly was running well before they played Dallas. You know, Kelly had 14 carries for only 37 yards. I mean, that, that speaks to Dallas's run defense quite a bit. Um, and I think the Redskins knew that coming in. And the Redskins executed their game plan, credit Jay Gruden, perfectly. They did exactly what they planned to do. Throw, throw, throw. And when they're tired of throwing, throw some more and expose that Dallas secondary. And you see it, 449 yards and three touchdowns. They threw it 51 times. He completed 41 passes. They controlled the time of possession. They controlled the first downs, more first downs, more total yardage. I mean, this is an example of a very good game plan versus a very good team. Now, I'm not saying the Redskins are not a good team, but they had a great game plan coming into this game. And they just ran into a better team overall a better offense, a defense that, that stopped the run, and a secondary that, you know, bend but didn't break. Now, looking to the Vikings versus Detroit, this is, this is depressing. I mean, you guys realize out there that Detroit is in first place in the division, right? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Blows my mind. Sam Bradford, 31 for 37, 224 yards with one interception. Sam Bradford. The real Sam Bradford stood up, didn't he? Detroit wins 16-13 again on a last-second field goal. Again, while they're trailing in the fourth quarter. Uh, Bradford played well, but in crunch time just shrunk. And that's what we've seen out of Sam Bradford. You're not really getting anything new. Um, the stats between the two teams were virtually even. Time of possession, first downs, total yardage, um, virtually even. It's just Detroit, they just grind it out. They, they can finish games. You know, give them credit. They can finish games. Now, the Vikings dropped to 6-5. They slipped into second place in the division. Not really a big deal. Um, it's, it's close. The top of the NFC North is close. So not really a huge deal. But what's interesting about the Vikings is they were – they were only two for 10 on third down when they're throwing the ball. And they're averaging just over three yards per attempt all night. I think that shows that the dink and dunk game doesn't work against Detroit. Um, because if it comes to a shootout, Detroit will stay with you. They've, they've done that all season long. Um, you know, I think the banged up Vikings defense could be trouble with the Cowboys. But they may play spoiler. Like I said, they're hungry. They're angry after this last loss, and the Cowboys are rolling. 
Um, Cowboys are a young team, and the Vikings are a young team as well, but I think the Vikings have a few more veterans on there that may be able to kind of persevere here. Um, interesting stuff. The NFC North uh, is just a horrible division, isn't it? Jeez. Just horrible. It's 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 sad that this is what it's come to in the NFC North. But you know what are you going to do? Like I said, everything goes in cycles. Not the end of the world, right? It's not the end of the world. Um, we've got a special treat. We are going to go to our correspondent in Minnesota, Abram Larson. No, oh, hey there, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me on today. You know, uh, tough loss against them hosers down in Detroit, but. You know, I think we can get her back together. And there is one thing I think, though, that needs to happen, and that's got to be Sam Bradford. That hoser's got to go, man. I just think that there's just not enough room in this city for someone like that. You know, they've always been telling you that if it smells like a hoser and it looks like a hoser, well, she's probably a hoser. And uh, aside from uh, Eli Manning and up there in New York, uh, I think the closest corn-fed mouth breeder Aside from that guy, is probably this guy, Sam Bradford, that we got. So I think we need to get rid of this guy overall. And I think there's still enough time to save the season. You know, I just think that the Packers still suck, and that's definitely a plus for us. But all in all, I just think that it's time to, you know, get back to basics and start worrying about what we're going to do coming up next. You know, holy wow. I mean, how much more can a guy take here, you know? So... Off the, you know, I just think that uh, we need to get her get her going here, and we'll get her back to normal, and, you know, everything is going to work out just fine. So I appreciate you having me on, Mike, and uh, you think, thanks a lot, and have a good day. Thanks, Abram. I uh, apologize for the audio issues. Um, we don't get uh, great signal in Minnesota because, I don't know, there's no great signal in Minnesota. Um, great stuff. I, I, I agree. Um, I think I think the Vikings will get back on track, but yeah, I agree with with what Abram said. I think you got to move on from Bradford. I mean, they knew that um, Bridgewater is the future. Bradford was just a, a hole plugger, you know, that they could pick up. But um, I think they'll get back on track. You know, the Vikings have a good core there. Um, they have good coaching staff. I think they'll get back on track. Um, Detroit now, like I said, their sole possession of first place, seven and four. Stafford was twenty three of forty, two hundred and thirty two yards, one touchdown. And he is clutch, isn't he? I mean, he's proving it time and time again. He's clutch. It pains me to say it. They're winning ugly, but they're winning. Once again, like I said, trailing in the fourth quarter, only to come back and win. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And that's what they're proving. Jim Bob Cooter. He's got this offense doing just enough to keep them in the game, doesn't he? I don't think he's the reason that the Lions are winning, though. I, I really don't. Um, if you look, six out of seven of their wins, 85% of their wins, they're giving up 16 or more points, right? Three out of their four losses, or 75% of their losses, they're giving up 15 or less points. So honestly, the more points they give up, the more maybe urgency they feel, and they need to get into a shootout, and that's when they'll beat you. If their defense plays better and they give up less points, they don't feel like they need to get into a shootout with you. So they, most of the time, they lose. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? That's a great stat. 85% of the time of their wins, 85% of their wins, they give up 16 or more points. 
So if they give up 16 or more points, 85% of the time, they're going to beat you. But if they give up 15 or less points, 75% of the time, they're going to lose. That's just that's an amazing stat to me. That's an amazing stat. Um, I'll tell you what, the kicking game for Detroit is huge. Um, it's, it, winning these games like that is huge. And I'll tell you what, it's got one guy really excited. Welcome to the camp, the long snapper camp with Jim Bob Gruden. That is right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It is time for another fantastic episode of the Long Snapper Camp with your boy, Jim Bob Gruden. Jim, are you there, buddy? What do you got for us? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. I want to talk today a little bit more about Don Mulbeckman. This guy with the Detroit Lions, this guy's doing everything right. They're winning close games, and I'm going to tell you something, man. This is primarily because of this guy here, man. Guy's got the most well-developed Stapleton Minimus Sharpocophagus muscle I've ever seen in my whole life, man. And I've seen a lot of them muscles, man. So I'm going to tell you something right here. This guy's 35 years old, still getting it done in Detroit Lions, playing near flawless football, man. This guy was born and raised in the great state of Ohio. He's a Midwestern guy. He's not that far from home. I'm going to tell you, he's also not that far from the Long Snapper Hall of Fame, man. This guy here, Don Molbeck, he is my Long Snapper of the Week, man. Thanks a lot for having me on, Mike. Oh, appreciate it, Jim Bob. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, geez, I never really met anybody that got so jacked up about long snappers, but hey, good for him. We look forward to many more segments with Jim Bob, and I'm glad that that you cleaned it up this week, Jim Bob. Um, I'm really glad you cleaned it up this week because last week was sloppy, lazy, lazy, um, lazy stuff, but good stuff this week out of Jim Bob. Um, Let's move on to the Chiefs and Broncos last night. For those of you that stayed up to watch that game, that was an awesome game. 30-27 to 27 was the final in overtime, and it took all of overtime to win that game for Kansas City. Um, before we get to that game, I've got some exclusive, listen here, guys, exclusive audio that was recorded inside of the Denver Broncos locker room. And this was the pregame speech Kubiak gave. Very, very interesting stuff. Listen in, guys. Are we ready for the game? Yeah. I know, grumble, grumble, but you would follow me to the ends of the earth, grumbling all the way. Like that uh, dwarf from Lord of the Rings. Gimli. Nerd. That is why you're not on the team. Just trying to be helpful. I'll help. Elven Dragon Slayers is 10-point power sword. Good stuff there. <laughs> oh, what a motivator, uh. Gary Kubiak is, huh? I don't know who the, uh, the the player or coach he was talking to. Obviously the player, but, geez, that was kind of mean. Um, if you watched the game, good for you. If you didn't watch the game, it was a, it was a great defensive game. Um, and I'll tell you something that's interesting. Trevor Simeon kind of proved that he could be the answer that the Broncos need on offense. Um, this is a young guy, and he's – still developing and he's showing that he's got the tools. He's got the toughness, um, especially against a very good Kansas city defense. I mean, Justin Houston is back to full strength. I mean, this guy is a monster. 
Um, you got Eric Berry, safety, I mean, all pro. Um, Trevor Simeon, I thought, played very well, considering who he's playing in Kansas City. Um, and Alex Smith proved once again to be a good game, game manager and not much else. He doesn't make too many mistakes. He's just a game manager, and um, you know, he's just he's, he's serviceable. And that's all you can get out of Alex Smith, and that's what they want at Kansas City. Um, I'll tell you who was really hoping this game ended up in a tie was the Raiders, so that they could stay two and a half games up on everyone in the division. But it didn't go that way. They're still leading the division. Um, if you didn't watch the game in overtime, uh, I think I believe it was fourth and ten, and ooh, they it, they were debating on whether or not to go for a field goal. Okay, and this would have I believe it would have won the game because it was it was the second possession for Denver. Um, they go for the field goal to try to win the game, sixty-two yard field goal, and. You know, you could see on Gary Kubiak's face that he just wasn't sure, like, oh, do we go for it? Do we punt it and, may, and have our defense hold him? You know, what do we do here? Um, I agree with the decision to go for the kick. I mean, you're at altitude. The wind had died down a lot. You've got a good kicker. Um, I mean, the record, I think, in Mile High Stadium is 64 yards. So, I mean, you've got a 62-yarder. It's possible. Um, I agree with it. I I think you go for it. I think your defense is good enough to, to stop Kansas city, even in with good field position. I think you go for it. And I, he did. And I agree with that decision. A lot of people are criticizing that, but I agree for it. I agree with it. Go for it. Get a shot. Um, it didn't, it didn't work obviously because Kansas city won. He missed the field goal. It was, it was in my mind, it was a bad kick. He had the leg on it, but he just kind of shanked it. Um, but he had the distance. I mean, he can make that kick. So, I don't disagree with the decision to go for that, but then Kansas city was able to drive down just enough to make a 23 or 33 yard field goal. And wow, was it a great ending to the game for those of you that didn't see it, that ball hit off of the left upright so hard and it just shot right through. And at first you didn't think it was in and you saw the officials give the it's good signal, but wow, that was uh, what an exciting way to end the game. And uh, even after the game, looking at the face of, of Von Miller, the smile on his face, like, of course, you know, geez, what a way to end it. You know, a 30-yard field goal or so just bangs off the upright and just scoots by. I mean, inches. It got in by inches. Um, really, really great game. Very exciting game. For those of you that didn't watch it, um, very, very exciting game. Really good stuff. Um, now, going to Kansas City. Uh, we've got another special guest, um, and he is standing by in Kansas City. This is Rick Smith. Now, Rick, uh, before we start asking some questions, buddy, I just have kind of a, a strange question for you. Now, are you actually in Kansas, or are you in Missouri? <laughs> that is without a doubt the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Okay. <laughs> Hey, whoa, whoa. Come on, man. Watch the language. Jeez. Jeez, well, that'll probably be the last time we have Rick on. I apologize about that, folks. I I guess maybe it was kind of a stupid question, but moving on. Um, I think what, what uh, Rick wanted to say was that Kansas City is in it. They're fighting, and they are in it. And uh, that division is uh, is scary. Um, if you are in that division, 
you're you got to be frightened. You got Raiders. The Chargers, I think, have cooled off, but you got Raiders. You know, you've got Chiefs. You've got Broncos. All three teams could honestly be potential Super Bowl contenders. Honestly, I mean that's a great division, and Kansas City's in it. They're in the fight. Interesting stuff. Um, we're going to take a short break here. After the break, uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk some college football. We had a huge weekend in college football, and uh, I know that everyone's excited to get to that. Um, I'm also going to answer some more emails. Uh, we're going to take some more calls. 215-383-3687 is the number to dial in for the Hewitt Moving and Storage Hotline. Like I said, we're going to take a short commercial break here, and we will be back with lots more Real Score after the break. Stick around. Hey, are you lonely? Do you like to party with hot girls? What about horsing around with fat guys? Well, what are you waiting for? Give us a call. I'll be on the toilet wearing a t-shirt that's so long I have to hold it under my chin while I wipe All right, and welcome back to The Real Score. Um, it's time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time. Yes, sir. On Wisconsin, baby. Badgers, uh, another big win. Um, huge weekend in college football. Huge. Uh, Wisconsin versus Minnesota, 31-17 was the final there. Um, give Minnesota credit. Uh, Minnesota's got a very good defense, very good defense. And uh, for the Badgers to be able to put up 31 with arguably their second-string quarterback, uh, granted they started pretty slow, but um, for them to be able to put up 31 against that Minnesota defense, I thought that was great. I thought it was a great sign. And uh, the fact that they kind of persevered through that game, um, being down until the fourth quarter um, to come back and just blow it open. That was huge. Um, it was 17 to 10 after three quarters. But again, Badgers woke up and they woke up quick in the fourth quarter. Huge comeback win against a tough rival, tough defense. Four interceptions for that Badger secondary. That is an opportunistic secondary, isn't it? And they prove that they will beat you eventually. It may take a little bit, but they will beat you. You will make mistakes, and they will capitalize. And it's really great to see. This is a great Wisconsin team. Slow start, you know, a slow start on offense and defense, really. Um, defense was sleeping the first half. Um, it gave up 17 points in the first half and gave up zero points in the second half. You know, so... Really great to see that they stepped up as much as they did. Um, it really proves, again, what I've been saying about Wisconsin is that, excuse me, is that they can make mistakes and still beat you. Um, and it's really great to see. They don't have to play perfect football to beat you, but most of the time their opponents have to play perfect football for you to beat them. And that's what's really interesting about this dynamic of this team. Um, you know, again, great win for the Badgers. Now, this is also interesting because I have some exclusive audio from inside the Badgers locker room at halftime. And this could be what motivated the Badgers. Listen in. I'm about to whip somebody's ass. 
Oh, I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Oh, if you don't leave me alone, you're gonna have to send me home. Cause I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Yes, sir. That's what happened. That's whipping after halftime. I don't know who that was, but um, I think must have had someone in the locker room to to sing that song for him. Obviously, that was a live recording. Live recording, that doesn't sound right. But anyway, um, so Badgers now look forward to Penn State in the Big Ten Championship on December 2nd in Indianapolis. Now, this is not my first choice. I would have liked to see uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State. I think Wisconsin matches up well with Ohio State, and I think that a win in the Big Ten Championship against Ohio State would, A, knock Ohio State out of playoff contention, and B, shoot Wisconsin in without a doubt, um, and possibly even to the number three or two spot. However, I'll take it. I mean, Penn State, um, I don't – Penn State's a good football team. I don't think they're everything that, that they're cracked up to be. Um, and they got blown out by Michigan, and they lost to Pitt. Uh, those are their two losses. Badgers' two losses are against two top five teams. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. You, you play who's in front of you at this time, and that's going to be Penn State. Um, the injury to Hornibrook was big in the game against Minnesota. Um very close to being a late hit. Could have been a late hit, but that's the way it goes. Um, Houston's a veteran, though. He's a, I believe he's a fifth-year senior. Um, and he should be able to keep this offense on track against Penn State. Penn State's got a good defense, but we've played better defenses than Penn State, and we've done better. Um, all in all, to kind of sum up this Badger game, sloppy play in the first half, missed opportunities. Um, but after playing that song at halftime, they woke up. And they fixed the problems, and they really provided a teachable moment. Like I said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So, excellent game for the Badgers. Nebraska-Iowa, okay, that was a Friday game, 40-10 to 10, Iowa. Folks, Iowa's better than you think, okay? Iowa beat Michigan, and people thought it was a fluke, but it's not. And as much as I hate to say this, it almost makes Michigan look better because they didn't really lose to a, quote, unranked team. I believe uh, the AP has Iowa at number 25 now. Um, so they are the bottom of the top 25, but um, Iowa's got a great defense and it gives more credit to Wisconsin because they were able to beat Iowa and they're in Iowa's defense. Um, big win for Iowa. You know, that helped us out greatly, obviously, because it, it locked us into the big 10 championship game, uh, regardless of if we won or lost at Minnesota. Um, huge. Huge win for Iowa, and always nice to see Nebraska go down hard. Michigan-Ohio State, what a game that was for those guys that didn't see it. 30-27, second overtime. What a thriller that was. Um, I think the game itself was somewhat overshadowed by the crying of Jim Harbaugh. Um, I mean, what a disappointment. I would be so disgusted being a member of that team watching my coach act like that. I mean, he cost his team with an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty by throwing his clipboard on the field, cost him a half the distance of the goal penalty. And then prior to that, took a timeout in the second half so that he could continue to argue with the officials about a call, a face mask call. That was clearly a face mask. I mean, it was yes or no. Did he grab his face mask? Yes. I mean, I honestly feel bad for Michigan players and fans today. 
um, they should expect a lot more. They should get a lot more out of their head coach and not crying about officiating after the game, costing his team in a penalty. That is inexcusable, if you ask me. When you're a head coach of a football team at a, at a, at a top-tier college, and the fact that your temper costs your team yards, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Now we're starting to see why Jim Harbaugh may, wait, may excuse me, wear out his welcome at places. That's ridiculous. But Ohio State, um, they showed their weaknesses again. Um, when you force them into obvious passing situations, you can take advantage of that. And you make Barrett beat you with his arm. Um, if you've got a good enough secondary, you can beat him. Uh, the Badgers showed that. Um, Michigan has showed that. Penn State showed that. Um, fortunately, they did enough this time to win the game. Um, but I think this is a good sign for Wisconsin because I think the last three games that you've seen in Ohio State, these teams have been able to expose Ohio State's weakness. And Ohio State's defense is not nothing compared to Michigan's defense, I don't, I don't think, or Wisconsin's defense, or Alabama's defense, or Penn State's defense even. So if you can expose that weakness on, on offense, you've got a great shot to win the game. So we'll see what happens with the rankings now. Um, I don't think that Ohio State's going to drop out of the playoff contention. Um, I would be surprised, but you never know. Um, I think Michigan drops out, but then again, you never know. Michigan lost to Iowa, and they didn't move at all. So you never know. Uh, Michigan-Penn State final, 45-12 to 12, Penn State. Congrats to Penn State. You beat up on a bad Michigan State team. Congratulations. Um, if Penn State thinks that they can lose the possession battle, which they did, um, and beat Wisconsin, they better think again. Um, Penn State had a total of 77 rushing yards against Michigan State, 2.3 yards a carry. You will not beat, you will not beat Wisconsin if you, do, if you play like that. Um, they will lose big time if they, if they plan on rushing for 77 yards against that Wisconsin defense. And I think 77 yards would be generous. I think you could cut that in half and predict that Penn State will probably run the ball for about 35, 36 yards. Um, Penn State's defense gave up 109 yards rushing, which isn't crazy, but again, against Michigan State, I think you could probably double that. I think you could probably say that Wisconsin would be able to shove 218, 220 yards down their throat. So I'm looking forward to this game. I really am. Badgers are hungry, and I don't have faith in Penn State, so I'm looking forward to this game. Um, I mean, the last time Penn State played a top-quality defense in Michigan, they got beat 49-10. to 10. So, I'm, you know, whatever. Congratulations, Penn State. Good job. Alabama-Auburn. Final 30-12 to 12 Alabama. This game was closer than a lot of people thought, you know, going to halftime. I think it was like 10-9. to 9. It was a very close game. Um, there's Alabama and there's everyone else. Um, and I hate to say it, you know, but they've really, they've earned that respect. Uh, they are just better than, than every team right now. And granted, I don't think their schedule is very tough. So I think some of their numbers, even though their numbers are very good, I don't think that they really speak to how good the team is. Um, or they also really don't show you what the team lacks because you're putting up huge numbers offensively and defensively against teams that are not very good on offense and they're not very good on defense. So, um, but it's a fight. Um, I've got another special treat for you guys. We've got an interview, exclusive interview with Nick Saban, head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, great stuff. Great stuff. 
Let's listen in, guys. Uh, we got Nick Saban now joining us, head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Welcome back, guys. Uh, like I said, I've got a very special treat for you. We've got uh, head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, Nick Saban, um, with us here. Now, Nick, uh, geez, this last game against Auburn, the Iron Bowl, this is a fight. Now, it's always a fight. Um, can you elaborate more on what you're doing to get your players ready for this fight? Well, you know, basically I tell them that I don't, I'm getting too old to come pull somebody off of you, so stay out of a fight. But, I mean, that's just kind of a kidding way of – look, I, I think it's really, really important that um, players respect – I think respect other players on the team, uh, have a respect for what that player is trying to do to be successful. Uh, we have a rule on our team where you don't talk to the other team, you don't talk to the other players. Uh, and a part of that is is – you know, when people talk, sometimes it, they lose focus on what they're supposed to be doing. The other part of that is, you know, when people talk and uh, they sometimes make other people emotional. And when you get emotional, I think you make emotional decisions, which, you know, can lead to loss of control, which means, you know, all of a sudden I take a shot at somebody or I take a punch at somebody. And the last I checked, those things are all penalties. Uh, some could lead to ejection. So, you know, what you're trying to practice is trying to practice the right habits so you can go in the game and do it in the game. And I know you guys probably think practice is, well, I'm just going to practice until I can get it right. I think practice is, it, is you practice it until so much you can't get it wrong. All right, so to me there's never a time, all right, for guys to lose their cool. I think those are selfish decisions uh, that are emotional decisions that don't really help your team. And if you get in the habit of doing that, then you're more apt to doing it in the game. Okay, that um, that was great stuff, Coach. That's really not um, what I was asking. I was actually um, kind of more asking in particular with this game, not players fighting amongst each other, um, more getting the players prepared for the quote-unquote fight going on on the field between Alabama and Auburn, which we know is a you know big fight. Can, can you speak any more on, on that or... Way back when, when I was at Michigan State and I was a defensive coordinator, um, you know, George Perlis, when we went there, you, we couldn't run it. We, we couldn't have a play without a fight. I mean, it was a fight every play, so we couldn't even have practice. So he was looking for a solution, so he got Everlast Championship boxing gloves uh, and put them on the table on the 50-yard line. All right, so if you got in a fight, you stopped practice, took your helmet off, put the gloves on, Everybody got to watch the fight. And it was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing for the guys that had to fight. They didn't even want to fight. They wouldn't even fight when everybody rounded up to see him fight. Uh, once again, Coach, uh, uh, excellent story. But, um, again, in no way are you answering any of the questions that I'm asking. It's the end of the conversation. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess it's the end of the conversation. And, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, head coach Nick Saban, um, apparently he has a lot of work to do going to retreat to his uh, dungeon in the boiler room at Alabama where he lives. Um, we're going to take a short uh, commercial break, and we will be right back with lots more Real Score. Stick around, gang. Dude, can you pass me a speck of spaz? Sorry, bro. All out. You want a cube of fruce? No, I'm not into fruce. I got a tear of laser dragon. Can I handle that? I don't know. Can you? Come. What the hell is going on? And welcome back, guys. Uh, I had to do a little resetting after that um, 
interview, uh, that pre-recorded interview that we did, uh, really great stuff out of Nick Saban. I wouldn't really expect anything less. Um, I, is it just me or like Nick Saban and Dom Capers and Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy, are they just all in the same room and just drunk right now? Is that, I mean, that's the kind of interviews that we're getting here. Um, I mean, can you, can someone answer that for me? I don't know. Wretched. Horrible. Um, 215-383-3687 is the number to dial into the Hewitt Moving and Storage Hotline, or you can always email the show at realscoreradio at gmail.com. We're going to go back to the emails and the phone lines. Um, I've got an email here that I want to get to. Okay, I want to start off with this email. It's, it's in regards to the Packers. Um, it's from Evan. Evan is emailing in from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Evan says, you know, talking during Thanksgiving with my family, we were talking about the Packers. We were talking about Rodgers and how his head isn't in the game. Apparently his family hates his girlfriend and kept him from going a funeral to his grandpa. Um, what do I think about that? Well, here's what I think about that. I think that I think there are some off-the-field issues in, in Aaron Rodgers' personal life um, that may be preventing him from, quote-unquote, getting his head in the game. But I think ultimately um, he's a professional. And that shouldn't affect him. And if it is, then that's a different story. But I think if we look at some of these issues, um, a lot of people are quick to jump on, well, Rodgers is, is not in the game and he's doing this and he's doing that. We really don't know the whole story. And if his family doesn't like his girlfriend, we, we don't know why. Okay, It could be justified. It could be way off base. We don't know Aaron Rodgers' parents personally or his family. They could be horrible people. You know, I'm not saying that, but they could be. You don't know. And it could be if we knew the whole story, um, we could look back at this and say, well, thank God that Aaron Rodgers left his family because they were just bringing him down. You know, so we don't really know. Aaron could be playing better right now being separated from his family than if he was involved with his family and dealing with all the family drama. We don't know. So I appreciate the email. And, and it's, it's, it's a great topic for discussion, but Bottom line is we just, we don't know, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll never know. There will be a book out someday and we will have an idea then, but for right now, we just have to speculate. And that's what this show is all about. Wild speculation. So appreciate the email, Evan. Thank you for listening. Um, I got an email from Roger in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Roger says, Mike, love the show. Probably the best thing I've heard since NSYNC. Okay. Um, he says, how do you think the Badgers would fare against Alabama if they were to meet in the first round of playoffs? Um, I don't know if they were to meet in the first round of the playoffs. I think that you guys are going to laugh at me. I think it would be a tough game. I do. I think it would be a tough game. Um, I think that Wisconsin is, Wisconsin is a very good team and they've shown that they can play up to their competition. And I think Alabama could be caught sleeping if that was the case. Um, We'll see. We will see what happens, won't we? Um, I've got the phone lines lighting up. Let's take another call. Go ahead, caller. You're on a real score. Who do I got? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's, uh, it's Dan from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hey, Dan. Uh, just, wanted to, uh, just wanted to say I'm Wisconsin. Yeah, and, buddy. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know. What's, what's your thoughts on uh, Wisconsin sneaking into the uh, college football playoff as a number four? I, my my personal opinion is, uh, you know, they sneak in at number four. They play an Alabama squad. 
that is probably going to mop the floor with them. You know, looking at something like a 41 to 14, maybe. Okay. Um, I'll, uh, I'll let you talk about it, and uh, I'll listen to you. Thanks. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks for the phone call. Great call, Dan. Um, okay, going back. Here, here's what I think. Um, when you look at – when you dive into Alabama a little bit, okay, Alabama has the, the 20th ranked offense in college football. Uh, say that again, the 20th ranked offense in college football. We're not, we're not dealing with an offensive juggernaut in Alabama, and, and you never are. That's what makes Alabama unique It's because they don't need that offense to beat the crap out of you. Um, the rushing attack is ranked 14th in college football. Again, you know, it, normally they have a great rushing attack, but 14th in all of college football is not bad, folks, by any means. They're averaging 245 yards on the ground per game. Okay, um, Passing attack for Alabama is ranked 60th. They're averaging 233 passing yards per game. So, I mean, Alabama's a great team, don't get me wrong, but if you honestly look at Alabama and who they've played, okay, um, I mean, Alabama's offense, like I said, they're ranked number 20. And let me read off the top 25 defenses that they have played that make those numbers look so good. Number 12, LSU, number 21, Auburn. That's it. No other defense that they've played this season is ranked or even close to being good. So, like I said, those numbers can be skewed. Okay, now if you look at Wisconsin, okay, Wisconsin's offense, they average – Oh, 202 yards per game on the ground um, and just under 200 in passing. So, you know, you're, you're Alabama. With Alabama, you're getting more passing yards per game. But take a look now. Bear with me. Look at the, look at the defenses that Wisconsin has played and put up those numbers. These are the top 25 defenses that Wisconsin has played. Number two, Michigan. Number four, Ohio State. Number 12, LSU. Number 22, Nebraska. Number 23, Minnesota. Number 24, Iowa. And I mean, that kind of speaks for itself. I mean, you've got Wisconsin with one, two, three, four, five, six games that, are, that they're playing defenses that are ranked in the top 25. Three of those games, they're ranked in the top 15. So you're not going to get the big numbers from Wisconsin because of the defenses that they're playing. Now, if you look at Alabama's defense, which is ranked number one, now what offenses has Alabama played that are, you know, top tier? that are ranked in the top, okay? The, the best offense that Alabama has played this year, folks, is Western Kentucky at number 13, okay? That's it. So here's the other thing, okay? Wisconsin is better than, than people think right now, okay? They are on a roll, and they're getting better. You're seeing that. Like I said, they have shown that they can play up to their competition, which is a huge thing. Huge thing. Um, that was a great phone call, Dan. I appreciate that. Um, I've got another email here from Mark in Jackson, Wisconsin. He says, long time, first time. Wow, thanks. Long time must be the four episodes that I've had. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Um, he says, what types of problems will the Badgers face in the game against Penn State? Um, Penn State has a pretty good defense. Um, they have a defense that's, uh, I think they're ranked 16th in the nation is their defense. So, I mean, they, they have a pretty solid defense. We've beaten better defenses. We've beaten much better teams, um, in my opinion. But I think, I think their defense could pose a problem for us. Um, because 
you don't know if you're going to have Hornibrook. Probably not, honestly, because he's going to be in concussion protocol. That was a that's a tough one. Um, I think I, I think that uh, Bart Houston, like I said, is, is a, he's a fifth year senior. He's a veteran. He's a leader. I think he can keep this offense on track. But I don't think you're going to see the offensive production that you would with Hornibrook. Um, so I think that's the biggest issue with Wisconsin is going to be can they keep the pressure on on offense. Um, the running game, I'm not concerned with because I think the running game, I think will do very well against Penn State's defense running the ball. Um, but I think uh, the, the passing game, um, while it doesn't need to be very good, um, I don't think it, it will be very good for Wisconsin. I think that will be the one problem that, that we face. I think on defense, Wisconsin will dominate Penn State. Their offense is, is in my opinion, not very good. Um, they're not bad, but they're not great. Wisconsin has a great defense and they will beat you up. And I mean, honest to God, you can quote me on this. I'm thinking that Wisconsin secondary gets five interceptions against Penn state throughout the game. So biggest issue I see is Penn state's defense and, and their past defense in particular, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm confident about that game. I really am. Um, a couple more emails here. Let's take an email from Paul in Detroit, Michigan. Paul says, why doesn't anybody like the Wolverines anymore? And how butthurt is Coach Harbaugh? And do you think his crying after the game was justified? No, I don't think the crying after the game was justified. I think he's very butthurt. Nobody likes the Wolverines because he's so butthurt and he cries. Okay, let's move on. Um, Last email I want to get to. This is uh, also from Dan in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Dan says, Mike, first off, I love what Bucky is doing and that they are finally getting some national respect. But I think if they squeak into the playoffs to face an Alabama team with several weeks to game plan for the Badgers, who have a questionable passing attack, I'm not sure how they stack up with their defensive speed. Well, Dan, there's a lot open for discussion here with Alabama. There really is. But I think bottom line, if you compare the two coaches, if we just go coaching, because I think play on the field, there's a lot for interpretation. Okay, I think play on the field, I think there's more talent in Alabama, but I think that Wisconsin has proven they can play up to the level of their competition, like I keep saying. So I think that strictly play on the field, Wisconsin has a chance to win the game. But if you just go coaching, okay, you have a couple weeks for Nick Saban to prepare. Okay, now we all know he lives in the dungeon in, in the basement boiler room of the stadium, so that's all he's going to do is going to prepare for this. But here's the thing. Alabama doesn't have to change anything to play anybody. They don't have to come up with anything new to play the Badgers. They don't. They have a plan. It works. They do it. They don't, they don't need to do anything different. So Wisconsin can then take that and they can prepare for what Alabama is going to do because they know what Alabama is going to do. That will make, that's what makes Alabama so good is that you know what Alabama is going to do and they still beat you. They're just better. So now you give Paul Christ a couple weeks to prepare. I think you're going to see a different, same core, but a different game plan. I think you see a mix on offense, okay, like you saw with Ohio State. That surprised Ohio State, right? I mean, you game plan for Ohio State. You play up to that level. That surprised a lot of people. That surprised Ohio State. I think Paul Chris can do the same thing with Alabama. So I think when you compare the two coaches and the preparation that they have, I think that you're going to get better preparation out of Paul Christ because how do I say this? There's more desperation out of Paul Chris than there would be for Nick Saban. If that if they were to meet in the in the playoffs, um, 
because I think you look, like I said, Nick Saban doesn't have to do anything different. And you know what you're getting with Alabama. They don't have to run trick plays. They don't have to change their offense. They don't have to change their defense. You can study Alabama, and you know what you're going to get, especially if you have a number one seed playing a number four seed, which would be Alabama versus Wisconsin. I don't want to say Nick Saban would look past Wisconsin, but I do say that if there were a time that Nick Saban would pull out all the stops to try to, to try to get a victory, it wouldn't be this game, guys. I'm telling you, it would be the national championship game should they make it there. Or it would be after a halftime adjustment if they were losing. But I, don't, I just don't think it would be a blowout. I appreciate the email, Dan. I don't think it would be a blowout. Uh, Wisconsin hasn't been blown out all year. And Alabama hasn't blown out a good team, really. You know, a good, solid, all-around team. Um, they beat LSU 10 to nothing. Yeah, they didn't give up any points in LSU. We gave up 14 points to LSU. You know, and we scored 16 on their defense. Alabama scored 10. I mean, that's, that's a good comparison right there. So I don't think it would be a blowout. I think it would be a good game, and I would love to see it. We will, we'll see if it happens. We'll see if it happens. Um, we're going to take a, another short uh, commercial break here. And, um, again, 215-383-3687. We've got about 10 minutes left in the program. I will still take some phone calls if you guys want to call in. I will still read some emails if you guys want to email the show. Realscoreradio at gmail.com. Um, like I said, we're going to take a short commercial break here, and we will be back with lots more Real Score after the break. Stick around. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Hi, I'm Al Harrington, president and CEO of Al Harrington's Wacky Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Tube Man Emporium and Warehouse. Thanks to a shipping error, I am now currently overstocked on Wacky Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Tube Men, and I am passing the savings on to you! Attract customers to your business. Make a splash at your next presentation. Keep grandma company. Protect your crops. Confuse your neighbors. African-American, hail a cab. Testify in church or just raise the roof. Whatever your wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man needs are. So come on down to Al Harrington's wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man emporium and warehouse. Route 2 in Weekapog. And welcome back to the real score. Uh, I am out of coffee. I am almost out of water. And that means that it is time for another episode of This Is Why I Suck. This is why I suck. This is why I suck. This is why, this is why, I suck. This is why, I suck. This is why, this is why, this is why, I suck. Because I'm why, this is 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 why, this why, this is 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 why, and uh, the voicemail he left me last night was fantastic. Listen in. Mike, I just want to say that this is by far the worst radio program I've ever heard. You suck. And that was another edition of This Is Why I Suck. Guys, great show today. Great work by everyone involved here, which uh, I want to thank my producer, me. Um, I want to thank my coordinator, me. I want to thank my behind-the-scenes producer, Mr. Todd Hewitt. Todd, if you're listening, thank you, sir. Um, I want to thank the people that called in. 
uh, Dan for emailing the show, Evan for emailing the show, Dan for calling in, Susan for calling in. We had a great time today, guys. I have thoroughly enjoyed my time rambling on the air to you. Hopefully, you've enjoyed this. Folks, once again, thank you for joining me on this hideous program and this hideous journey through the magical world of this sports universe. Join me next Monday, same time, for more rants, skewed opinions, and shoddy journalism. Hopefully you laughed, hopefully you cried, but most importantly, hopefully you will always remember to be all about that action, boss. We will see you next time.